You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning and uh, happy Monday to uh, everybody out there. Uh, uh, this is the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, safe, uh, meaning um, seniors, uh, abuse, and financial exploitation issues, but basically things talking about just anything safe with our seniors. Hope everybody is doing well uh, here in Atlanta. It's cold. They're, they're scaring us up for a, for a big one inch of snow. I know all you people in the snow country laugh at that, but everything comes to a stop, and this is Super Bowl week here in Atlanta. So we'll also have the enjoyment of all the traffic, but a lot of the great visitors from all over the, the United States and uh, and the world. Uh, today we have a, a very special guest, the State Ombudsman for the State of Georgia, Melanie McNeil. Good morning, Melanie. Thanks, Joe. Nice to be here. And we, uh, we, as always, we start off our, our discussions by remembering, by having everybody remember that elder abuse does not report itself. That's very important. So as we talk, you know, if you see something, you've got to say something. It applies here. Um, before we, we, we ask Melanie to go into to, uh, to her background and, and her office, there were some statistics that I saw that was very interesting. In 2014, there were approximately 15,640 nursing homes in the United States, almost 11,000 of which were for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in, in, in 2014, about 2,022 nursing homes in the United States had less than 50 beds, while around 6,900 had between 100 and 199 Beds. And that's just one of the areas that 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 uh, that seniors certainly you look at nursing homes, but there's assistant living and personal care homes. So with that, I'm going to uh, let Melanie give us a background. She's a great asset to everyone here in Georgia in helping to to fight uh, all types of abuse. And we talk, remember, abuse. We have three abuses that we talk about: physical, financial, and institutional. So I'll go with that, Melanie. Well, thanks, Joe. Glad to be here this morning to talk to your audience about what long-term care ombudsmen do. And just to tell you briefly about me, I am a lawyer. I went to law school here in Atlanta at Georgia State University, graduated in 1991. I worked for the Georgia Council on Aging for almost 11 years, and we're advocates for older adults in any kind of setting. And so we worked a lot on different issues Uh, related to abuse. We've had a number of laws in Georgia that have cracked down on those who would prey on older adults and people with disabilities. Most recently, we've worked on legislation related to unlicensed personal care homes. I should also tell you that I'm the president of the National Association of State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Programs. And so that association is the association of my counterparts, the state ombudsman, in the 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam, wow. so 53 of us. And so I know your audience is across the country, so I will try and, and talk some about things that are relevant to, to everyone across the country. Hey, <coughs> the, uh, I mean, obviously there's some questions that come up that, as you just said, every state have an, has an ombudsman program. Are you funded by the state or by the federal government? Well, or a mix. right. It's a, it, in Georgia, it's a mix. Not every state gets state funding 
Mm. But we're very fortunate, and I'm so grateful to our General Assembly and our governor who have provided funding for our program. The Ombudsman program is authorized through federal law through the Older Americans Act, and so we get some federal funding to provide the services. In addition, we have a state law, and I'm pretty sure every state, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam also have uh, a state or uh, territory law that also supports them. Uh, but, uh, But it's the Older Americans Act and then state law that provide our guidance on how we do what we do. So the scope, um, uh, I'm out here with with a with a, a relative that's in, uh, it's not living at home, but is living in another uh, entity, like a nursing home, personal care home. How big is the scope of what the ombudsman, certainly in Georgia, and what, what they can look for around the country where you all have some impact on Our guidance from the federal government is that we should be making visits to all of those types of facilities. So board and care homes, uh, what are called board and care homes here, they're personal care homes, assisted living communities and nursing homes, at least quarterly. So we should be there at least once every three months. Some programs, some state programs, have a lot of volunteers who help, and so they may go into the facilities even more often. Here in Georgia, in some of the areas, we have very active volunteer programs. Sometimes they go even once a week because they want to visit and and get to know. Julia, you said I could uh, butt in every now and then, so (laughs) here I go. Is your position uh, appointed or elected or? No, I, I'm well. I'm hired by the state unit on aging director. Th- that's not true of every state ombudsman. Some of them are appointed by their governor, and so they change when the governor changes. But that's not my. That's not what it is for me. So I'm hired as a state employee, mm-hmm. and um, of course they can fire me for cause. But otherwise, I don't change when administration changes. But in some states, that is what happens. They are appointed by the governor. The the importance that I see as we go and give speeches and talks to elderly seniors and law enforcement around the state uh, is uh, you have regional people that 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 work under you, right? Yes. Could you go over? Are they volunteers? Or are they no. employees? We have state staff. Um, excuse me, not state staff. Paid staff. Right. So our office contracts with six nonprofit entities mm-hmm. that cover. We've divided the state into six regions, right. and so each nonprofit entity is responsible to uh, advocate on behalf of the approximately 12,500 residents in their area. That's nursing home, personal care home, assisted living. Uh, We also have authority to address problems in what are called community living arrangements, which are really geared toward people with developmental disabilities. We don't visit there quarterly, but we respond to complaints, and we have posters in their buildings so that families would know to maybe reach out to us. In some states, it is mostly volunteers. In some states, they are state employees. In some states, the Office of the State Long-Term Care Ombudsman is in its own standalone nonprofit agency, and they then have staff. So it it varies state to state how, how the program is contracted. But in Georgia, we are always looking for volunteers, for people who will go and make visits. So if you live in Georgia and you have a passion for assisting residents, just call us. 
And no, I, I, I would think this would be great for different churches to uh, have volunteers that uh, through the church, or they'd go out because the, the church would take it on because it's almost uh, sort of goes hand in hand to a degree. Well, the only thing um, we don't necessarily we would work with the church if they wanted to do that. We have some requirements of the federal law and also our state law about how you can what you can do with information you might learn the, uh, I guess the other question I was thinking about and as I mentioned to you I've been through this uh, with a family member but the spectrum you mentioned physical abuse <laughs> food abuse um, and our kitchens and our well, what is the spectrum of of your walking in the door and you know cleanliness of the place and right right uh, give some examples that you've heard of that's, that's sure us. sure well I, in my role as the state ombudsman i actually visit one nursing home yeah, and so advocate on behalf of those residents. So if I walked into the building and I noticed that it didn't smell very good, which happens sometimes, or this particular facility had a, a leak and so there was water on the floor, well. I can go ahead and talk with the facility about that problem. I don't have to have a resident give me permission to do that. Anybody could notice sure. that that's a problem. But for some of the other problems that aren't just easily noticeable, a resident would have to tell us about it. We are not regulators either, and we're not enforcement. So if we had a complaint that the water was too hot or that the, there was a problem with the food, we might then refer that, if we had permission from the resident, we might refer that to the regulators, and that's called, in our state, Healthcare Facility Regulation Division of the Department of Community Health. Every state has a survey agency that's responsible if there's a problem in the building they can enforce the rules around what to do. And when they go in, they are inspecting, you know, how do the how do the bathing facilities look? Huh. How is the laundry done? Is the food kept at the right temperature or the are the um, who does this? So it's the survey and certification agency. So here it's the Department of Community Health Health Facility Regulation Division. So is that where through you or can a can a resident or a family member Anyone uh, can go to them. Anyone can I, complain. <laughs> like I said, we had a situation where, again, it was a relative. My mother uh, was in a in a nursing home. Well, high in assisted living. It wasn't quite a nursing home, mm-hmm. but they touted themselves as. And uh, she told a story that, um, quite frankly, I blew a gasket and. Uh, uh, of what they were doing on bathing, mm. and I couldn't believe it. It was like they were hosing them down like cattle. They'd get all the women, put them in a room, and basically hose them down. Then they'd get all the men, put them in a room, and basically hose them down. Mm. And uh, you know, I just I went crazy. She wasn't there any longer, mm. you know. And uh, right, I I couldn't believe it. And and this was. Uh, 15 years ago, 20 uh-huh. years ago maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a the son, and, and I have two sisters, we didn't know where to go. We didn't know what to do other than I was about ready to go after somebody in the facility. But, uh, you know, I please keep touting yourself and telephone number. People, 
that are listening, get a pen and paper, and we're going to give you some telephone numbers and or call your local police department. They have, generally speaking, they have someone that's uh, trained to go in and, and observe and look and look around. So please get a pen and paper. Sure. Well, and just to follow up on that, if law enforcement were called into a building and, and it was really a regulatory thing, law enforcement should know that they can call the regulators. I think most of them know that. Right. So that they would say, well, this doesn't look like a crime, but it does look like there's a regulatory issue. Let me call our agency. I believe that would be the case no matter where you are in the country. So what you might look for, too, your your uh, listeners when, when you go into a long-term care facility, regardless of the size or the type, there should be a poster in there about the ombudsman program and also a poster about abuse reporting, so it will direct you how to report abuse. Now, from a realistic standpoint, I realize that often when you're going to visit a family member or uh, or a friend, you might not really be looking for posters. So this is an opportunity to kind of alert you that every facility should have one and it should have the phone number on it. So you can call the ombudsman program with any kind of a problem. We might not be the ones to figure out how to fix it or it might not be within our purview, but we should know how to refer your call. So sometimes we get calls from family members, and the issue really is a legal issue. So we would be able to, you know, refer the family on a legal issue. If it's really regulatory, I promise you every state ombudsman knows who their regulatory agency is and would be happy to share the information about how you make a complaint. For our program, anybody can complain. With that said, is there, and back when... I'm talking about we didn't have Googles like we have Googles today. Right, so right. would it be uh, advisable to go online and you can. address what? You can't. Well, so for your listeners, for example, we have a National Ombudsman Resource Center. So if you Google National Ombudsman Resource Center or NORC, N-O-R-C, there are several. But if you go to their website, you can see who the state ombudsman is in every state. And you, so then you can connect. So if you're in California and you don't know that Joe Rodriguez is your state ombudsman, you could go to the National Ombudsman Resource Center and click on the picture of California and it'll tell you that he's the state ombudsman. Now, we as state ombudsmen don't usually make the uh, visits to facilities. We have different kinds of staff as we right. discussed. But if a call comes to me, I'm going to find the ombudsman representative that serves the residents in that area and make the referral, and then they'll go out. And I believe, I know in our state we have standards of promptness. I believe every state has standards of promptness. So especially if it's something really serious, you uh, well, yeah, we'll get out there right away. Well, when we come back, we're about to take a break. We'll give you some phone numbers that you can call um, to uh, follow up on some of these issues. With that, we're taking our first break. And our first break is going to be about our product that uh, has just uh, come aboard with America's Web Radio, and that's it's called the Tornado Body Dryer. You can go online, look it up, and uh, it's great for the elderly. It's great for anyone that's handicapped, and that's uh, 
you can go into your shower, take your shower. It insta- It's the only unit that installs in your shower, um, particularly if you have a glass door type shower or whatever. And uh, after, and you can stay in the warm shower. Turn off your shower. Turn on the uh, body dryer and within three minutes uh, you're totally dry and don't have to use a towel it's great for burn patients it's great for anyone that uh, has uh, any type of disability and uh, very you know very reasonably priced and it can install either in the shower or it can install outside of the shower again it's called a tornado body dryer you can go online look it up and uh we appreciate him sponsoring the Safe Hour, Safe Senior Hour on America's Web Radio. And um, we'll be back in, uh, if I can find my mouse that was temporarily lost in space. You know, those mice sometimes get away from you. But anyway, we appreciate it, and we'll be back right after this. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back here and uh, to our second session. And we have a guest today, Melanie McNeil, the uh, Georgia State Ombudsman. And uh, welcome again, um, Melanie. Glad you're here. Thanks, Joe. And um, we were talking about their duties and responsibilities. And uh, uh, David chimed in about some personal issues that he had had concerning uh, um, some relatives that. He wished he was aware of the ombudsman program. So we're going to go into that in a little more detail. <clears throat> but I know in Georgia, uh, you have a number for people in Georgia. Can you have that you can give? I do. So in Georgia, if you'll call 866-552-4464, and you'll have to wait till you hear the option for the ombudsman program, what will happen is your call will be routed to the area Actually, it's the area where your area code is. But you can get to the local program. And so um, my suggestion is, again, call 866-552-4464 if you're in Georgia, and you can get to the ombudsman program. I'm curious. How long is this many, many, many years, or how long has it been available? This is our 40th year. So this is the 40th year for the ombudsman program. Interestingly enough, it started under President Richard Nixon. Hmm. But, you know, at the time, nursing homes were not as homelike, hmm. not they were much more institutional right. <laughs> right back then. In fact, so as a personal story, my grandmother was in a nursing home and so this was late 60s, she was in a ward. And it was just bed after bed after bed with a sorry Um, bed after bed with just a curtain around it, and you know not very good care. I have to say, um, you know, when you walked in the door, you were hit by a terrible odor, and you know it was just very a very unsafe in a lot of ways environment. So things are much improved, not not nearly as bad these days as they were back then. 
You know, it's amazing. I, I As you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, we went through this with my not only my mother, but my grandmother when I was a kid. And uh, we I was from a fairly decent-sized uh, town in uh, Texas, but nothing like... And we had to go outside of that town to even find one. There, there just weren't nursing homes available that much. Right. The, uh, Melanie, I, do you interact with the owners of these nursing or the, the, the staff, the managers, when you see something? Do you sometimes try to resolve it at that level or it has to go through channels? Oh, no. Our ombudsman representatives as I say, are usually in facilities at least quarterly and often more frequently than that because they're trying to resolve sure. a complaint. And so we'll talk to the administrator, the director of nursing. If it's an issue about laundry, we might talk to the head of housekeeping. If it's a maintenance issue, we might talk to the maintenance person. Often the issues are really sort of more social worker. You know, it's a quality of life kind right. of situation for a resident. So we don't have to go through other channels and most of the time we don't what we try to do is resolve a problem before it gets so big and often facilities maybe they're just not aware you know sometimes residents are afraid to complain Mm. they might be new to the facility or they may have been there for a while and maybe they saw something whether it was true or not they saw something that put them off made them think that maybe they couldn't report a problem but most facilities are really wanting to make a good experience for the residents who are there because you know let's face it not so much in atlanta but especially in smaller towns your business reputation regardless of your business gets out there and so you want to have a good facility you want people to you know want to put your loved one there and so a lot of facilities will do their best to try and address a problem if they can well, I, I know uh, from talking from as I go out and speak to law enforcement uh, uh, representatives throughout the, the state, uh, it, sometimes the complaints come the other way, that they're complaining against the patients being violent. And, and so th- th- there's always, as we remember, there's always two sides of the story and somewhere in between is what the truth is. And, and you know, fortunately or unfortunately, to some people that they've been very successful here in Georgia, some people in a personal, in one room where they have a loved one that they've left a a, um, a video device and actually recorded what took place. Uh, is this getting to be more of a trend, or what do you see about that? You know, I've been the state ombudsman since August of 2010, and this has been an ongoing issue for families and residents, both the filming, recording uh, of situations, as well as the issue of resident-to-resident aggression. So let me talk about resident-to-resident aggression first, because facilities have the responsibility to assess the residents when they're coming for admission. Now, it doesn't always manifest. You might not always know that the resident has uh, problems that might cause them to be aggressive right off. Mm -hmm. But facilities really are supposed to be monitoring residents. And as we know, sometimes people decline and their impulse control declines. They, you know, if they have dementia especially, there can be, you know, changes in the way people interact. But facilities really do have the responsibility to pay attention and to figure out, is the reason this person is aggressive 
that they've got a pain issue and we haven't found it. Or they've got, you know, often, I'm not a clinician, but often what we hear is a urinary tract infection can really cause someone to act very differently than they ordinarily would. And they're fairly common. UTIs are fairly common among long-term care residents. So it's really up to the facility to try and figure out not just how do we address this one situation where we've noticed some aggression, but what is it that's causing this, and then what do we do? You know, sometimes people act in a way they wouldn't ordinarily because they don't have anything to do, and they're and maybe they have lost some of their communication skills, and so what they're doing is more trying to get someone to pay attention and fix what the problem is than really that they're aggressive. Now, there are people who are aggressive, no doubt. And so the facility then needs to assess, can we care for this resident or will we have to find some other kind of way to address this situation? I'm curious, are there levels of, you've got assisted living, you've got uh, personal care homes, personal care, and then you've got uh, nursing homes, nursing homes, and then hospice. You I guess memory, or, or you have memory, right? Memory care units. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, do you cover them all, or we do? And, and each is licensed differently. So, a personal care home can only provide essentially watchful oversight for people. They can't really provide medical care. In assisted living, they can do a little more. You know, they can help with medication management. Okay, assisted living, would they normally have a staff nurse or staff doctor? Now, in one situation um, my mother was in, uh, they had a, a, um, I guess it was a nursing home situation, and they had a doctor on call that uh, came by and checked everybody I've forgotten whether it's once a week or once every two weeks or something. Yeah. Well, nursing homes are required to have a medical director, and they have to have a director of nursing, so they have to have a registered nurse, and they have to be there at least eight hours a day. The doctor doesn't have to be there that eight hours a day, but they do have to have a medical director, and he is supposed to oversee the medical care for the residents. I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for the nursing homes themselves, but I don't think that the medical directors always see all of the residents routinely. So, And as a resident, you can have your own doctor, but the facility has to have a medical director. And so as the nursing home is providing care, they should be noting, you know, this person doesn't seem to be uh, doing well on this medication, or maybe they've gotten a new medication and they've had some kind of reaction. You know, so helpful to have a medical director that they can go to right away and say, we think there's an issue here. Assisted living doesn't have, um, isn't required to have a medical director. I think some of them do, but they're not required to. Each level of long-term care has its own set of state regulations, personal care homes and assisted living, state regulations. Nursing homes, it's federal regulations, and there are a lot of them. They are very specific in a lot of ways, as you would expect, because, you know, these people, the, the residents, their health is mostly pretty compromised. There are some residents who are, you know, they're there because they've got, you know, severe arthritis. They don't have lots of other things. But a lot of people in nursing homes have lots of different diagnoses, and so their care is complicated, and so you'd really want them in a nursing home. Okay. The situation that uh, 
I, I know there's a term for it, and I don't know what it is, but like if uh, an ambulance is called and the attendants see that it looks like this person has strange bruises or, you know, whatever, uh, do they report to you? or They don't report. They don't report to us, but they would report to law enforcement if they think, you know, okay. it looks like there was abuse. And they can also report to the survey and certification agency that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Nursing home staff are also required to report to law enforcement and to the survey and certification agency if they have a reasonable suspicion that a crime has been committed, whether it's abuse or um, exploitation. They're required to report it. Do they? Hard to know. Hard to know. Well, I, I can tell you from talking to law enforcement, and we just were at a meeting uh, in north north central Georgia, and yes, people are getting reports. It Now, the state of Georgia, uh, I don't know whether it's unique, but a few years back they required an additional report. It used to be on seniors it was to report to just adult protective services or health care facilities for their regulatory um, entities that they're staying at, but now it's a mandatory also equally reporting and time to law enforcement. And so with that, we'll go into some of the examples, hopefully, that you've seen that I've, I, I know of and some other areas. So we're going to take our second break and come back with Melanie McNeil. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving call timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience around town movers for that local or cross-country move timothy Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. And once again, we want to remind everybody that if uh, you're in a situation that, or if you're just remodeling your house or building a new home and want something very unique, go to our website, Tornado Body Dryer, and uh, tell them that David uh, sent you, and you'll get an extra special little discount But it's very unique. If uh, you come out of your shower, actually this installs in your shower, and it's the only unit UL approved and approved to be installed in your shower. You turn your shower off, you turn the body dryer on, and three minutes later, you're dried from head to toe. You don't have to step out of your shower. You can stay in your warm shower and turn the body dryer on, and there you go. So go to Tornado Body Dryer and tell them David sent you, and you'll get an extra discount. So anyway, we'll be back with Joe and his guest, Melanie, right after this. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. 
Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back here in our third segment, and uh, it's been very enlightening, I think, both for David and I, listening to the, the scope of awareness with our guest, uh, uh, Melanie McNeil, the uh, Georgia State Ombudsman, and you're the uh, president. I'm the president of the National Association of State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Programs. So it's the 50 states and the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam. It's the association of all of us who serve as state ombudsmen. Well, that's that's great. I, that's, it's it's a when when we hear about what you all do, it's a, it's a wonderful job and it's needed. And um, David, what's the uh, um, if you have e- questions, you can email us at safe at americaswebradio.com. And we'll look at them. We'll get them to Melanie, and Melanie could get them to, to her associates throughout the uh, throughout the country. I'm curious, too. You talked about the sign that you walk into a facility and it's supposed to have your information on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a law? Yes, it's a requirement for nursing homes. Here in Georgia, it's a state law, too, for our board and care homes, personal care homes and assisted living, that they have a poster up that lets people know how to contact the program. It's probably the one that has a sheet over it. No. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be posted in a public place, but you do sometimes have to do a scavenger hunt to find it. It may <laughs> be in a, po- in a public place, but way at the back of a hall. But, you know, really, honestly, most facilities want you to know about us because, again, we're a way to help correct a problem before the regulators come in and maybe they get fined or or something else happens, something, you know, a bad mark goes on their record. We're there to try and help. Lots of facilities welcome our presence. Just another question. I'm sorry, Joe, but uh, what you just said, uh, it's, it's almost like the restaurant and it says, you know, they were rated and they got yada da or whatever. Do you all have a similar thing? Or can, if I'm thinking about putting a relative in XYZ, can I call and get a, any information about it? So let me answer that question in a couple of ways. Every facility, uh, nursing home, every nursing home across the country is surveyed by the Survey and Certification Agency on behalf of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And they will send a report to the facility about what they did incorrectly that needs to be fixed, or sometimes they don't have any issues. But they have to make that available to the residents and to the public. So if you were looking at a nursing home thinking about putting a loved one there, you can ask the facility to show the most recent survey. You can actually find it on Medicare.gov too, I think. But but every facility is supposed to have the most recent one, and you can look at it. You might not understand the the actual sort of number that goes along with the deficiency. It's called a statement of deficiencies. But you can see they have a narrative. So they will say, we gave you a bad mark because you're supposed to do this and you didn't do it, and here's how we show you. So they'll say, you know, they looked at a certain number of residents and medication wasn't recorded correctly or um, showers weren't given as they should have been or whatever the deficiency might be. So every every nursing home across the country in the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam are, are required to 
have those surveys available so that you could look at them. But also, if you're interested in long-term care, I believe this is true. Every state has what's called an aging and disability resource connection or center, ADRC. And that's they have options counselors who can, you can call them and ask them, you know, let's say I live in Boise, Idaho. I'm looking for a long-term care facility for my mom. Well, so you can call the ADRC in Idaho, and they can help you kind of assess, does your mom really need a nursing home? Maybe she needs board and care. Maybe she would do all right if she had home and community-based services. And they also can talk with you about your financial situation. So might your loved one qualify for a government program? As we know, long-term care is pretty expensive, but you might be able to pay privately. And they know about those um, uh, groups too, those those agencies that can help. And so that's a resource that I, I, I believe I'm saying this correctly, that every state has something like that. And that's through, um, well, it was through a grant through the federal government that got started. Here in Georgia, I know they are fantastic. But further, you were asking about whether you can get information from the ombudsman program. We don't recommend one facility over another, but we do have data on the types of complaints we've gotten. So we could say, uh, we'll look over the history of the last two years, and we can tell you what kind of complaints we've gotten. That's not enough. None of these are enough for you to choose a place. You really need to go and visit. You need to see how do the residents look when you go? How does the facility look? How are the staff? Are they friendly? Are the residents, do they look happy? Are they all sitting slumped over in their wheelchairs? Ugh, not so good. So, you know, whatever you decide, you do want to go and actually visit the place. But there are some resources to help you get started, and I know that can well, be very I, I, daunting. I'll just say in the state of Georgia, you can go on the website and um, – for example, for uh, personal care homes uh, and I think, well, nursing homes or assisted living, it's on a it's on a website and we'll get it for you before the next break. But I'm sure in most states, and you can actually pull up the inspection reports that they that happen, so you can read what was the last inspection report or last two or three, and what the deficiencies were, and how they were corrected or they went back. It's a it's a great tool, and uh, which I can also talk about here. We've run into uh, um, as a big issue in the state of Georgia as one of the the efforts law enforcement and regulatory people are working on are the unlicensed, like personal care homes, and these people. The reason the significance when you're licensed, there are certain standards that everybody has to meet, right? Do you? Yes, that's r- true. Right, right. And so I'm sure you run into these, too, where people call up about a place, well, are they licensed or not? And at that point, they can go in and look at it. It's not that the big government just wants to collect more money. They want to have a standard of care for everybody. And that standard of care also goes to things like, are they meeting the local codes for for fire safety, for mm-hmm. sprinklers? Are they uh, fire extinguishers, access, in and out? Um, I'm sure you can go through a whole bunch right. of other type things. Sure. Well, we've had countless stories of individuals who either 
went to a licensed personal care home and that licensed personal care home owner had unlicensed personal care homes and people get shuffled off. The stories we've heard, people locked in the basement, no running water, no plumbing that works, they're sleeping on a cot, they get bologna sandwiches every day. Some of the time, the reason local law enforcement learns about it is those residents get out somehow and they'll knock on the doors of the neighbors and tell them we're starving, it's terrible. They're hidden. A lot of times they're hidden. You know, a personal care home, a licensed personal care home can be in a neighborhood. Right. And so, you know, sometimes the neighbors just don't even realize that there are licensed homes, but then there are these unlicensed as well. Right. I think the vast majority of of these homes are are good homes. We're not. Uh, we they're an important part to take care of the elderly. They are. But there are some incredible abuses, and uh, uh, it's there are groups of people who are making uh, running personal care homes assist not assisted living necessarily, but boarding homes and other areas that are using this as as a way just to generate funds and they would pick up people and actually use the the the, the human resource in order to collect uh like their um uh, veterans benefits their social security checks their ebt cards Mm -hmm. and then treat them like some of the cases like melanie just talked about while they're out out using or, or misusing those funds. Are you right. familiar, I think, with some of them? Sure, sure. That's happened in Georgia. I'm confident that anywhere across the country these things are happening because people see the vulnerability of older adults and people with disabilities, and they take advantage. So while we call them unlicensed personal care homes in Georgia, other states call their board and care homes by other names. Right. But it's a similar problem. It, it happens everywhere because you know if you can get money from somebody and you can use it to your advantage and that's a universal thing we know all right and greed when greed overtakes the uh, the 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 uh, person who's trying to to run something and and usually i think your point that there might be one licensed care and then they'll move them to the to the other areas and i think at that point the, the moving of these people is horrible. I mean, they, you, you when you go in and see the conditions they lived in, uh, I remember there was a case here in, in um, uh, just outside of Atlanta. The uh, it was a personal care home that everybody was taken to, and you walked up and it was in a beautiful middle class neighborhood, like three hundred thousand dollar homes. And they and they took. If you're looking to put your loved one in there, they would take you in here and say, "This is a home they're going to live in." And the beautiful kitchen and the bedrooms are gorgeous. The bathrooms were there was enough bathrooms. Well, it turns out that none of the none of the people who they then uh, residents moved in didn't stay on that floor. They were downstairs in rooms separated by a curtain. And just exactly some of the situations Melanie was talking about. And this really spurred on the state to, to really try to crack down on this. Joe, I want to interrupt that if you know, if, if you're listening to this, be it live or uh, in the podcast, and you know of a situation, contact us safe at americaswebradio.com. Again, it's safe, S A F E, at americaswebradio.com. We'll turn it over to Joe. And Joe knows where to go with it, and we'll see that 
that facility is uh, visited. Is visited, looked at. And again, if it's an emergency need, call 911. The police will come out. The conditions on some of these uh, are just horrific. I, I, you can't say anything else. But but I would say the vast majority, you know, are are very good operated, especially the licensed ones. Right. So we have to look for that. I want to throw out something that asked Melanie and, and you, Joe, too. Um, you know, other cultures take care and have respect for their elderly, particularly uh, Orientals, the uh, Japanese, uh, you know, is this something that our country has missed as we've grown and not appreciated our elderlies and being able to sit down and get their wisdom and the things that they've gone through? Is this is this just a national hiccup that we've let continue? And our and our how do you teach respect for the elderly? Well, part of what I think has happened is unlike other countries and cultures we move around a lot so we don't live close to our family members and so sometimes i mean i don't want to say out of sight out of mind but you know you don't you're you're not thinking as much about them and maybe not even the elders in your community you're not connected to them by family so you just don't think about them it's a little bit different with children because children seem so much more vulnerable as i think they are in a lot of ways and so and we're aware of them part of the issue too for older adults is when you go into a facility you really are not much a part of the community anymore you're kind of hidden and so unless people are visiting like the ombudsman program unless we're visiting you know sometimes bad things happen people aren't respected they're not cared for as they should be because nobody's watching and so I think it's partly a phenomenon for us. I was reading a story about um, people who live in the United States move so much more often than people in other countries. But I did want to also mention our former state long-term care ombudsman just went to Taiwan in November to talk with them about an ombudsman program Hmm. because they are beginning to have facilities where people will go when they need more care. When you think about it, you know, if you have a loved one that's got a very complicated medical history, as much as you might want to care for them at home, sometimes you just don't have the confidence to do it, and and, and you're not really trained to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it is time. And, well, we'll, uh, we'll take another break and uh, come back. I want to mention one more time the Tornado Body Dryer. Uh, just go to it, tornadobodydryer.com, and take a look at it. You'll be amazed. The first thing that uh, most people say is, I didn't know anything like that existed. and uh, But it does, and it's very safe. Uh, they've never had any kind of problem with it. So take a look at it, and we'll be back with Joe and Melanie right after this. Happy Oregon homeownership is the result of a good working relationship between the home buyer and their realtor. Make buying your Oregon home a fun and rewarding experience. Get our free guide to happy Oregon homeownership. Act now. Limited availability. Free at realoregonhomes.com. That's realoregonhomes.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? 
We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back for our last segment. We're here with our guest, uh, Melanie McNeil, the Georgia State Ombudsman. And uh, and uh, we even have it's such a good conversation. David's in the middle of it, too, here. So it's... Uh, we're just going to kind of kind of wrap up some of the issues we're talking about, but we're talking about some bad things. But I think you know, and you've been in this business more than I have. I worked thirty years organized crime and labor racketeering. Never really dealt with the elderly issues, but but what I've seen since I've been doing this for the last like you know uh, five to eight years that if things are improving, we're getting better laws. And, and more and more people are being aware. Do you see that, too? I really think it's been uh, kind of remarkable how much the change has been in Georgia, opening the eyes of law enforcement, for example, who in times past might have thought, well, that's, you know, your complaint really isn't what we address. And now realizing that... It's a civil issue. Well, that's what they used to say, it's a civil issue. But it's, it's, a lot of it is really criminal. One thing I did want to mention in this last segment is that anyone can complain to the ombudsman program and to the regulatory folks. And it doesn't matter what the complaint is. So whether it's a really serious complaint, my mother's being hurt in a facility or, or, or something else pretty serious, that they're giving her the medications incorrectly, or something as um, not quite so serious, like, you know, my mom never gets her shower when she wants it. Or my dad, they get him up too late, they put him to bed too late. They don't, his food is always cold. That might seem like a not very serious issue. But if that's you, if you're so living in there and these things are happening, it's important to you. So the ombudsman program will go and talk with the resident. And if the resident will give us permission, we can then take action to address the issue. But for some residents, regardless of whether they're in a board and care home or in a nursing home, they're fearful. And they won't always give us permission right off. So we'll go back and visit. Sometimes our volunteers visit enough that the residents will become uh, confident that we'll act as they, you know, we'll take whatever action it is that they want to take. And so I just kind of wanted to reassure your listeners out there, regardless of what state you're in, that you can complain to the ombudsman program. We are not mandated reporters. So if you were to call and tell us that something a physical problem, a physical abuse problem is happening with your loved one. We have to go and talk to your to the resident and get their permission. But you can go ahead and call law enforcement or your survey and certification agency, even if the ombudsman program can't help you. So just wanted to sort of make that distinction. Right, and and I know from uh, uh, from the various groups, we, as I said, we've spoken to over a thousand seniors. Um, in cooperation with the regulatory people, and now cooperation with the ombudsman program, because we were, we just had had uh, one of your reps um, at the last meeting, and it was very enlightening, and it 
for everybody and and people now have a way to talk to somebody or or kind of make them aware where if they're walking around the 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 institution or the the house or wherever it is they can come up and talk to you all and be like your friend a lot of people have nobody to talk to and they're looking for somebody that they need their their family they don't feel they can talk to their family and there's no better example of this than when you're dealing with exploitation financial exploitation if you remember we said we talk about three abuses physical financial and institutional well even when people are in the institutions they still have they're still susceptible to 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 frauds unfortunately most financial uh, um, abuse is committed by relatives against uh, against the senior or their loved ones against their senior or somebody they trust so we have an issue, and even then when we find them or we get information, meaning law enforcement or regulatory people, you go speak to them, they say they don't want to do anything. Is that your experience too? It is. In, in fact, for I think most every ombudsman program across the country, involuntary discharge is the number one complaint for nursing home residents. And frequently, very frequently, the family is controlling the money and they're not sending it in to pay for the resident's care. Well, facilities they can't operate if they don't get paid. Right. But but the love the resident will say, "But that's my family member. I don't want to take action against them." And then they end up evicted because, you know, their their bill isn't being paid. We get that from residents. And so we have to abide by what the resident wants. What we sometimes do, though, with facilities is we remind them that they are mandated reporters. And if they suspect financial exploitation by family members, they're supposed to report it because it's a crime. And so they should be reporting to law enforcement. Again, residents might say, give me time to work it out because they don't want their loved one to get into trouble. And then if they think they're going to get in trouble, a lot of times the families will finally do the right thing. Joe, a question for you. I was just thinking, you know, <clears throat> I guess it's a law. I don't know. But every school in Georgia that I know of has a cop. Mm-hmm. Or most of them in Atlanta that I know of have a police officer that's there for during the school day. So what if you took retired policemen that wanted to do extra, you know, wanted to have something else coming in and put a cop in every nursing home or every uh, facility available that they can. And uh, from my standpoint, I think if uh, I owned a nursing home, I would tout that as, and we have Officer Joe that, you know, or whatever, and uh, we have a police officer that is watching us and watching out for your relatives. Well, I, I, it, it's an interesting thought. I, I think when you're dealing with these nursing homes, other institutions are working on a fine profit margin. They are in it for to make money. And um, I, I would counter and say probably more money at the state level for regulatory people to make you know, unannounced visits and go in and, and publicize it more. I, I know David and I have spoken about maybe trying to do something here on the show with an 800 number where people can call. Um, there are so many numbers out there. It doesn't matter who you call as long as you call. Remember what well, we start off. Abuse doesn't report itself. 
and and the issue on a lot of these uh, these seniors, and they might just have the start of dementia, or or uh, I mean they're not they're, they 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 can operate semi independently, and they'll tell you it's my money and I can do what I want with it. If I want to get involved in a lottery scam, you know I don't think it's a scam, and you'll get the parents and law enforcement and the regulatory people. And they just won't listen. I mean, there are people out. I was at the, at the meeting last uh, last week, and a very uh, a woman who happens to be fairly well to do, um, lost two hundred thousand dollars on romance scam because she honestly believes this guy's going to get back. This military contractor is going to get back from uh, Afghanistan, and they're going to meet and they take care. I mean, I try to tell it's not him. What you see is not him. But you know you you can't force people and and to, to to handle to handle themselves, which brings up the other aspect of it. And and as we end up, is that there's also a resource is the probate courts that you can file as a family or other people if there are issues, and let that court decide to name a conservator or a, a guardian. And you you have some. Right. Uh, right experiences like that? Well, it does happen that residents sometimes have guardians appointed and conservatives appointed in situations like that. I did want to get back to your your question, David, about um, law enforcement in nursing homes or, well, in long-term care facilities. And really, so the advocate in me would say, I think nursing home residents wouldn't want a law enforcement person in their building all the time because it is their home. So it'd be like you know, you inviting, well, Joe, to be your, you know, law enforcement person that live in your house all the time. Not that nursing home residents are doing illegal things, but it feels a little invasive. But what I think you, you've you hit on is if we make sure law enforcement is better informed about the issues for older adults, and when right. a nursing home calls and says we have a problem, that they don't just sweep it under the rug or say call regulatory you know, if they're better trained to say, okay, yes, we're going to respond, or in a board and care home situation, we're going to respond, and we're going to recognize what's happening and then take the appropriate action. I think that's well, but that's what we've been working on, and I well, think in other states they well, are, too. Well, yes, they are, and, and it's been working all around. I know we spoke to Tennessee and, and uh, Alabama, and, yes, they're all working on it. In fact, the International Chiefs of Police have come out with um, – I think five five minute roll call uh, videos for p- police officers, so they can be aware of the various issues when they get called to a home. So I, I, I think it's a uh, absolute um, better awareness issue, and I I agree with you. Uh, um, the reason why they're in schools is because of the physical shooting and violence like that, which we thank the Lord that hadn't happened. Right. That much, or if it has at all, in nursing homes, a long-term care. But with that, I, I just uh, we're about to wrap up here, and and I got to thank you, Melanie, for coming. I hope you'll be a, a guest again, and and we can go in some other issues because what you all do is is just absolutely wonderful, and we can go over some examples. And and you want to go over your telephone number again? Sure. Again, so if you're in Georgia, call eight six six. Five five two four four six four, and we'll make sure that you get in contact with the ombudsman representative. And with that, we certainly appreciate you coming, and uh, 
we look forward to talking to you all uh, next week here back on the Senior Safe Hour. Uh, Hope you all have a good week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.